0: All right, everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Great to be with you. Hope everybody is safe and well during these difficult times. But hey, remember, we are one day closer right now to the resumption of hockey, and that can only be a good thing. We have got a lot to talk about on today's show. We will have the latest news about the NHL's plans to resume play and how it might affect the 2020-2021 season. We'll talk about that. We'll also uh, give a little mention to a Q&A on the Islanders official website with Matthew Barzal, and uh, we'll talk about a few other issues with regard to that. We will have this date in Islanders history, and of course, we will continue our discussion of the greatest moments in Islanders franchise history, and uh, the only clue I'll give you is there's nothing quite like your first. We are uh, open to any suggestions. We still have a couple of days left on the greatest moments in Islanders franchise history. Feel free to send in your suggestions or comments or questions or anything that's on your mind. You can contact us via email at lockedonislanders@gmail.com, at gmail.com or you can uh, give us a tweet follow us on Twitter at Locked on Isles. You can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at N Y R V S N Y I. and uh, we'll keep you up to date on the latest Islanders news and notes. All right, so let's start off with some news here, and the report coming now uh, out of uh, the Athletics' Pierre Lebrun is that the NHL is strongly considering moving the start of the 2020-2021 season to December instead of the traditional October start to the season. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, seems to be very little doubt that if and when the NHL resumes this season— The playoffs will go well into the summer, possibly August, maybe even September, and uh, the league would want a little time for teams to go through free agency, to go through uh, a little bit of a rest period before they start play up again, and that is certainly an advantage. Now, according to this, this report, the plan is still for the league to hold a complete 82-game season, even if things get started a little bit later than usual, and basically they would get rid of the All-Star weekend, eliminate bye weeks, shorten the holiday break, and then tighten up schedules in order to start the season in December and finish relatively close to on time, and the, the, the main reason, I think, more than anything, as to why the league would entertain doing this, is to maximize the chance that they could have fans attending games in home arenas. And obviously, if you wait until December, the odds are better that more people may be allowed into the Nassau Coliseum next season in order to watch games. And obviously, This is important for several reasons, but the biggest one, we just mentioned it uh, earlier this week on the show, more than any other of the four major North American sports leagues, the NHL is dependent on ticket revenue for a large percentage of its income. You know, the NFL, for example, because of their television deals, if nobody ever attended an NFL game the NFL would still make a significant profit just off that TV deal that they have. So that's, you know, not an issue as much for the NFL. If they have to play in front of nobody, yes, it would cost them some revenue, no doubt. But for most of the NFL teams, it would be uh, okay. They would get by, they'd still be profitable. But the NHL, Local television is a big part of their, of the team's revenue, and then ticket sales and merchandise and all of that, and they need that money, so you push the season back to December, you maximize the chances that you could have a full arena, all those fans paying for their tickets, their hot dogs, their programs, their jerseys, anything else that uh, that they would want to get, and... You know, even if it's not ready to start in December, it, let's say it takes until mid-January or, or, you know, whatever date you end up picking before the uh, experts indicate it's safe to, you know, fill an arena with 17,000 people, you know, instead of having four months where you don't have fans, maybe you have one or two, and that is also, in the long run, more beneficial for the National Hockey League. So, a lot of logic involved in that, and uh, hopefully it doesn't become a major issue that, you know, by the time the 2020-2021 season gets underway, everybody uh, will be allowed to attend games safely again. Uh, Another announcement made by uh, Governor Cuomo of New York, he has appointed Islanders co-owner John Ledecky to the advisory board to reopen New York. That advisory board has more than 100 people, other notable local sports uh, owners who are involved with the advisory board, Yankees president Randy Levine, Jeff Wilpon, the COO of the Mets, and the uh, MSG owner and owner of the Knicks and Rangers, James Dolan. So those people... uh, Ledecky included on the list of people who will advise Governor Cuomo as to the best way to reopen the economy and get things moving again. So good to see that the Islanders are going to be represented. The other thing is, if you go to the Islanders' official website, the other day, Matthew Barzal took questions from fans, and that was certainly Uh, Good to see. You could find out, for example, what other arenas besides the Coliseum he enjoys playing with, why Barzal is usually the last player off the ice after warm-ups, who he met celebrity-wise, who actually made him starstruck. He mentioned two people uh, and a number of other uh, interesting questions ranging from, you know, teams he likes to play against, to uh, his karaoke go-to song, and songs he likes to play on the guitar. So, Islander fans, if you want to get to know Matt Barzal a little better, check that out on the Islander's official website. All right, if you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now, because I can get food delivered without leaving the house, or even opening my door. Given what's going on in the world, they created non-contact deliveries. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up, you guys need to be supporting your local spots right now. I've been ordering only from local restaurants, because it's a great way to support my community. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. Now, for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, that's code locked on for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right, so time for this date in Islanders history. We go back to April 29th of 1980, game one of the NHL semifinal series between the New York Islanders. And the Buffalo Sabres, Islanders had just defeated the Boston Bruins in their tough physical quarterfinal series. Meanwhile, the Sabres had just swept the Chicago Blackhawks. Both of these teams had about a week off in between games before play resumed, and they met in this semifinal series. For the Islanders, of course, Billy Smith, the goalie, Don Edwards, was in between the pipes for the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres, a very good hockey team back in those days, led, of course, by Gilbert Perrault and his French Connection teammates. And Buffalo did indeed get on the board first, Rick Dudley got his third goal of the playoffs from Craig Ramsey at 523, and suddenly it was one to nothing Sabres, and things got a little bit worse for the Islanders as they were shorthanded when Bob Bourne came through with a shorthanded goal. It was a five-minute major for Gordy Lane. He was called for spearing at 8.39, gave Buffalo a five-minute power play, but it was the Islanders who came through. Billy Smith with some big saves and then born an unassisted shorthanded goal. His sixth of the playoffs, the game was tied at 1-1. Late in the period, the Islanders went ahead. Mike Bossy, his fourth of the playoffs, also unassisted at 17.42, and after one period, the Islanders held a 2-1 lead. In the second period, the Islanders increased their margin. John Tonelli, his fifth of the playoffs from Dave Longevin and Stefan Pearson at 9.56. And after two periods, it was a 3-1 hockey game. Tonelli wasn't done yet in the third period. He added a goal, his sixth of the playoffs from Dwayne Sutter at 11.10 to make it 4-1. In favor of the Islanders. Now this is a road game for the Islanders, being played at the old Odd in Buffalo. Hard to believe, but the Sabers actually did have home ice advantage. You gotta remember the 1979-80 Islanders got off to a, a a bit of a slow start. They didn't even win the Patrick Division that year. Brian Trottier took a hooking penalty at 16:03 but the Islanders killed off most of it, and in the closing seconds, John Van Boxmere of Buffalo was off for tripping, and that gave the Islanders an easy last two minutes of the game. The power play for the Islanders expired with two seconds left, and the Islanders skated away with a 4-1 win. Billy Smith, big in goal, 31 saves for Smitty. In this one, we talked about, the uh, two goals for John Tonelli, he was the only Islanders player with multiple points. Dave Longevin, a plus three to lead the Islanders, while Stefan Pearson and John Tonelli were each plus two. As far as shots on goal were concerned, no surprise, Mike Bossy led the Islanders with six. He had one goal on those six shots. Meanwhile, Bob Bourne and Bobby Nystrom each with four shots on goal, Islanders had 29 shots, 32 shots for the Buffalo Sabres, but Billy Smith was equal to the task, and the Islanders took a one-to-nothing lead in this series, uh, which they eventually would win in six games, and it was, you know, the Islanders win the first three games of this series up. Uh, Buffalo ends up winning game four at the Coliseum, game five back in Buffalo before the Islanders were able to close things out. Uh, But for the New York Islanders, a big road win. You always want to get that road win to start off the playoffs, and, and the Islanders did exactly that on this date in Islanders history, April 29th. 1980. All right, so we continue our series on the greatest moments in Islanders history. We'll take you back on this one to your very first, the Islanders' first Stanley Cup win, game clincher, game six, May 24th, 1980 at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders and the Philadelphia Flyers, a rivalry game, if ever there was one, two uh, Patrick Division rivals. The Flyers, of course, had won the Stanley Cup in 1974 and 1975 when they were the Broad Street Bullies, the roughest, most physical, dirtiest, according to many, team in the NHL back then. They were still filled with some big, tough, physical players in 1980 and they led the NHL in penalty minutes almost every year back then. Islanders split the first two games at the Spectrum in Philadelphia winning game 1 4 to 3 in overtime. In game 2, the Flyers bounced back big time beating the Islanders by a score of 8 to 3. The Islanders took both games at the Nassau Coliseum winning game 3 6 to 2, game 4 5 to 2. The series returned to Philadelphia for game five, and again, the Flyers skated away with a convincing 6-3 win. Islanders up three games to two, entering this one, and they really wanted to win it badly in order to not have the series go back to the spectrum for a seventh and deciding game. Did not take long for things to get physical, just one minute exactly, into the game, Gord Lane and Paul Holmgren each go off two minutes for high sticking, then the Islanders got uh, a power play opportunity when Andre Moose DuPont went off for high sticking at 224, so the Flyers setting a physical tone early, Islanders unable to take advantage in the first period, Bob Kelly, the Hound Dog, and Bobby Nystrom of the Islanders each get five for fighting, but Nystrom got an extra two for roughing, and basically 36 seconds later, Dennis Potvin was off for cross-checking, so the Islanders were down two men, and the Flyers were able to take advantage. Reggie Leach, uh, unquestionably one of the better goal scorers in the league at that time, his ninth of the playoffs on the power play from Rick McLeish, and Bill Barber, and it's one to nothing, Philadelphia. But the Flyers end up taking some penalties as well, with Mike Busniuk off for holding at 10:15. The Islanders get the power play; they cash in. Dennis Potvan, his sixth from Mike Bossy and Brian Trottier at 11:56. The game is all even at one apiece. Islanders take the lead. A little more than two minutes later, it's Dwayne Sutter, his third, from Clark Gillies and Butch Goring, and it's 2-1 Islanders, but with a minute two left in the opening period, Brian Propp of Philadelphia gets his fifth of the playoffs. Paul Holmgren and Ken Linsman are the assists. 1858 after 20 minutes, Islanders two, Flyers two. In the second period, the Islanders would once again take the lead. And it would come on a power play goal with Ben Wilson off for holding. Mike Bossi. cashes in with the extra attacker. His tenth from Bob Bourne and Brian Trottier at 7:34. And the Islanders led 3-2. And then with just 14 seconds left in the second period, Bobby Nystrom his eighth of the playoffs from John Tonelli, again, 1946 the time, and after two periods, the Islanders led 4-2. to two. So, the Islanders were all of 20 minutes away, and here is where the Islanders' relative inexperience in these kind of situations took its toll, because the Flyers, I mentioned they won Stanley Cups in 74 and 75, made the final in 76, were in the semifinals in 78. Uh, They were a, a team with a lot of playoff experience. So when the third period got underway, it was the Flyers who jumped out and got back in this game. Big Bob Daly, the tall, physical defenseman his fourth from Ken Lindsman and Paul Holmgren at 147, and it was quickly less than two minutes into the period a one-goal hockey game again, and the Flyers tied it at 602 of the third period. John Paddock his second from Moose Dupont and Rick McLeish, four to four. But you know what? Al Arbor was. Unquestionably, one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he was able to get his team to clamp down. They held the Flyers to 25 shots on goal for this entire hockey game. And, you know, there was a lot of rough stuff going on after that. Clark Gillies dropped the gloves with Paul Holmgren at 8.09. Gillies got an extra two for slashing. Then, during that power play, Ken Lindsman was penalized for roughing. So, again, the Flyers trying to come into the Islanders building and intimidate them, but it didn't work. And the Islanders proved resilient. The game goes into overtime. And. One thing about this Islanders franchise, especially back in the Al Arbor era, the glory years, the dynasty years, even starting in 1975 when they made that long playoff run that really put the franchise on the map, the Islanders were very clutch in overtime. And it was no exception here, as John Tonelli, Lorne Henning... To Bobby Nystrom, Nystrom lifts that backhander over the sprawled Pete Peters of the Flyers, and it's 7-11 of overtime. The New York Islanders, for the first time in franchise history, win the Stanley Cup, beating the Flyers in this game 5-4, in the series 4-2, and it was absolute pandemonium at the Nassau Coliseum, the Islanders, in 1972-73, they were the worst team in the history of hockey, and yet, seven years later, there they were on top of the hockey world, and they got the job done winning their first of what became four straight Stanley Cups. A lot of multiple uh, point-getters Two goals for Bob Nystrom, and again, Nystrom was not a perennial, you know, natural goal scorer, but he came through in the clutch very often. He had two goals in this game, Mike Bossy, a goal and an assist, and then two helpers each for John Tonelli and Brian Trottier. Dennis Potvin led the Islanders with seven shots on goal, followed by Mike Bossy's five, and... You know, no Islander in this game was more than a plus one because of the power play goals that were scored. Billy Smith, 21 saves to earn the victory. And folks, Union Dale, Long Island was then the capital of the hockey world, and the Islanders' dynasty had officially gotten underway. And you could talk all you want about other Stanley Cups, and the dynasty, and what all of that meant for Islanders fans, but quite honestly, the very first time your team wins a championship, there is something very special about it, and you know, for Bob Nystrom, he was always a fan favorite for his hustle, for his uh, blue-collar style of play, for his physicality, but he became an immortal New York Islander, after scoring that big goal to win this game in overtime and the other thing is this you saw this franchise when butch goring arrived at the trade deadline in in you know toward the end of that season he said to the Islanders you guys don't realize how good you are how good the rest of the league knows you are after goring arrived he helped them with that, he gave them that extra shot of confidence, and then after they won this Stanley Cup, they knew what it took to win, and they did it, and they did it consistently three more times, and then reached the final again in 1984. Again, 19 straight playoff series wins, a record that will probably never be duplicated, and to me, if I had to pick one game and one moment That was truly the greatest moment in Islanders history. I I think I would go with this one. The first Stanley Cup win, Bobby Nystrom's overtime goal, and uh, the celebration was an unbelievable one uh, at the Nassau Coliseum that day. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the next episode of Locked On NHL. Hope everybody stays safe. Keep that social distancing going, and we will get through this one day at a time together. It is my privilege and pleasure to spend a little time with you every day talking Islanders hockey. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the greatest moments in Islanders franchise history and the latest news and notes from the island. Have a great day, and let's go Islanders!